Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. Amen to that. Well, good morning, church. I didn't feel a strong Kentucky greeting there, but, but that's okay. Uh, maybe a second service will, you know. I am thrilled to be here. Uh, Pastor Brian, thank you for your grace to allow me. I know you highly respect this moment of bringing God's word to God's people, and so that you would share. Thank you. I appreciate it. So I've had great interactions with this church for, uh, for probably six years now, and knowing your teams, and just honored by this moment. And for those who are participating online, glad that you're engaging as well. While we're gathered here today, your Alliance family around the world are actively taking the gospel, such as Sergei, my brother, who is an immense man, both in body size and heart, who today in Ukraine, as a national church leader of our Alliance movement in Ukraine, is helping 350 families from the east who are in harm's way uh, be relocated. Today, as we gather, there's uh, Cambodian churches meeting, time zone differences, ignore that, but Cambodian churches that are meeting that are brand new, having just been planted right in the very region where Pol Pot and the Killing Fields had, uh, had massacres in years past, and now the gospel is taking root. As we're gathered here today, there's 75 or so scrappy house churches meeting in Cuba. You've participated in that, and their seminary, it's going to be on three campuses across that island because hardly anybody owns a car in Cuba in spite of what you see on all the cool pictures. Uh, So three seminary campuses to train leaders to advance the gospel on that island. As we're gathered here today uh, in Mexico, there are... passionate people that in the face of the danger of the drug cartels are bringing the gospel into villages, even though under threat, and planting new churches. As we're gathered here today, there's ongoing work throughout Africa, throughout Asia, hospitals, clinics, refugee assistance, feeding the poor, and planting the church. As we're gathered here today, the gospel continues to advance in Lexington, and across the globe. Tomorrow, I'll be in Orlando, Lord willing, with 100 church planters who are seeing this is a moment in time when there needs to be new expressions of churches and the Christmas Alliance right here in the United States. You see, you're part of this family. Lex City, you're part of this bigger family that is on mission. We're on mission together. And so I'm here to thank you for your partnership in that mission, and to call us to continue on. Now, when I'm speaking, I'm speaking to us as a whole church, like all the yous in the New Testament are good old southern y'alls, because it's speaking in the plural. So when I say church, I mean the church gathered, but I also mean you as a specific individual. I'm thinking of both. How is God wanting to mobilize you? as a person at this moment, and how is God mobilizing y'all as a church at this moment? John 4.35 is my text for today. 
John 4, 35. In, the book, in, in John 4, you may remember if you've read it or saw a great episode of The Chosen, <laughs> Jesus has encountered a woman on a one-on-one conversation while the disciples have been sent into town to get food. I believe Jesus was an introvert. Now, we can talk about that later. But he was taking an introversion moment and being alone when this woman approaches, and there was a, there was a divine appointment, and he talks to this woman about her life and reveals to her that he is the Messiah, and she goes running back into town with great excitement, one evangelizing everybody, and Jesus spends a few days there. Meanwhile, the disciples come back with their food and try and get them to eat, and he says this really weird thing, that I have food to eat you know nothing about. I believe he's referring to just the feeding of the Spirit to his soul. Yes, he was physically hungry and physically tired, but his soul was full. Because of, he says, because we're finishing the work that God has called us to do. And then we get to 435, where Jesus says, Do you not say four more months and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes, look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. Now, what's happening here? (laughs) Are we talking about... Grain and corn, uh, maybe, at this moment. I don't know what time of year this was. I have no way of knowing that. So maybe he's uh, using the fact that, all right, it's March in Lexington, right? No corn is being harvested by the farmers, and your gardeners don't have any tomatoes to pick yet, right? Four more months, and, and, and then the harvest. But then he shifts, and it's like, oh, we're not just talking about produce here. We're talking about something else. Open your eyes. May may God give us eyes to see. Look, look. The fields are already ripe right now at this very moment. Two simple points today. First, somebody is always going to say, Disciples of Jesus are always going to say, the church is always going to say, at least in some places, now is not the time. Now is not the time. Do do you not say four more months and then the harvest? Now is not the time. This is not the place. These are not the people. The disciples were not real excited about their assignment to go into Samaria. They really didn't like those folks. They really didn't appreciate them. Kind of like some... Duke rivalry or something. I don't understand all this basketball down here. But anyway, they, they, they did not appreciate the fact that Jesus had led them out of their safe zone, out of their comfort zone, out of the people that they were accustomed to being with, out of, out of uh, their natural pathways, and Jesus had led them to a place they really didn't want to be among, a people they really didn't want to be among. And they, especially in that place, were saying, now is not the time. Now is not the time. To, to do whatever work that you want to do. Now is not the time. This is not the place. These are not the people. And we're in a totally different situation here, Lexington, 2022. But is there not something within your heart, honestly, that is saying, now is really not the time to be talking about Jesus and taking the gospel and being one of those people that tries to introduce Christ into somebody else's life. Now is just not the time. 
We've got inflation going on and an invasion happening in Ukraine, conflicts over elections and vaccinations, conflicts regarding social justice on social media, conflicts internationally and internally. Perhaps the word of the decade will be disruption. Anybody with me on that? It's been like so many things, markets being disrupted, lives being disrupted, uh, nations being disrupted. And, and I, I'm not shaming anybody here today. I'm not scolding anybody here today. I'm living in the same world. I'm paying the same gas price as you are. I, this feels like a very a season of disruption and, and our stability, you know, two years ago right now got rattled. We thought we were living in a certain world, and I can tell you exactly where I was when the whole news broke out about COVID. And you can probably tell me as well what you were doing and how the calendar just started changing and our future started changing and disruption. And the tendency for many of us is to entrench, to pull back, to isolate. Seasons of disruption, however, are opportunities for reevaluation. But somebody grabbed that thought this morning. Seasons of disruption are opportunities for reevaluation. Brian was gracious enough to host me yesterday on two of your upcoming podcasts. I get to talk about heaven with Brian, and we had a good time doing that. And he also asked me to share a story of a health crisis. I was a 47-year-old guy who had never been in the hospital or had been any major illness any day of my life, but I suddenly found myself in a very desperate physical situation, and I tell the story uh, on that upcoming podcast. As I am about day 75 or 70 in the hospital... I'm no longer dying, I'm getting ready to be transitioned to rehab, and a friend of mine came by, a Catholic friend, and he said, John, what are you gonna leave behind? What do you mean? That's, that's a weird question. He said, certainly you didn't come through all this, deathbed experience and all that, certainly you didn't come through all this just to come out on the other side, the same guy you went in. What are you going to leave behind? Great question. Some things from our pre-COVID lifestyle and thinking aren't worth bringing with us into the new season. Anybody with me? Seasons of disruption are opportunities for reevaluation. We have had a season of disruption. I'm not saying the season's over, but I am saying it's an opportunity for us to reevaluate and maybe there can be some, like, purging or pruning or purifying, and we just don't have to carry quite all the stuff we had with us into the current moment. What, is, what are you going to leave behind? Meanwhile, I say to you, with everything within me, don't leave behind your passion for the gospel, the good news the message of hope that Jesus really does love this world and has the ability to enter into the human heart and bring something that people are desperate for. Forgiveness, a future, release from their past and a hope for their future and a relationship with the living God. People are desperate for that, even though they're 
clueless that they're desperate for it. John 4.35. Do you not say, now is not the time? Four more months, and then comes the harvest. But I tell you, this is the time. <laughs> point two. <laughs> How simple can I be, huh? Now it's not the time, point one. Point two, this is the time. <laughs> this is the time. I tell you, open your eyes. Look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. It's, it's actually possible in the storyline that as Jesus says these words, he takes them away from grain fields and he calls them to look at the crowds that are now coming out of that city that they had just been in. They had been in for a market. They had been in for commerce. They had been in to get lunch. And they had ignored the people around them, trying to have as little association as possible. And now those people, because of the testimony of this woman, are flooding, perhaps, out of that city at that moment to come see this man who told me everything I did. And so they come and they invite him to come into town. And Jesus, perhaps, cause them to shift their eyes from the fields of grain to the harvest of people and says, open your eyes and your hearts. This is the time. This is the place. These are the people. This is the moment, church of Jesus Christ. This is the moment for us to once again seize and celebrate the gospel and proclaim it with all passion. I've been in this role uh, for eight plus years, and uh, one of my surprises as president of this denomination that has 2,000 churches here in the United States, you're part of this family uh, with 38 languages in the United States worshiping Jesus today, Vietnamese, Cambodian, Korean, uh, uh, Chinese uh, being some of the, uh, and Spanish being some of the strongest or most significant languages among us. I've been surprised in my role uh, how many 100-year anniversaries I've done. All these 100-year anniversary celebrations of churches. I'm not surprised that they made it 100 years. I'm surprised that they were planted 100 years ago. Why? What was happening in 1914, 1918, 1919, that era of time? What was happening? World War I? Spanish flu pandemic wiping out 5% of the world's population, and somebody in the midst of global pandemic, in the midst of world war, says, this would be a good time to plant a church. <laughs> Who were those crazy people? What were they thinking? They were thinking John 44, 35, open your eyes, look at the field, the harvest is ripe, this is the time, these are the people, this is the moment. Lex City Church, formerly Quest. I know quite a bit of your story. I know the dysfunction. I know, or at least some of it, I know the disruption that took place. But I also know throughout your entire history, Lex City Church, you've had a distinction. And the distinction is that you have been as serious about the gospel, as any church that I know, you have been a gospel-believing, gospel-carrying, gospel-proclaiming, gospel-advancing people. 
That, has been, that was your distinction. Even in some of the ugliest of times, you still believed this word, and you still believed that Christ could enter into the human heart and make a difference in a human life, even if we didn't always represent him well, that the gospel was still pure. Well, some of us can be messed up, but the gospel, well, all of us are messed up. But anyway, that's another sermon. So yes, dysfunction. Yes, disruption, but it didn't lead to your destruction. It could have. There are other churches that have gone through the kind of things that you went through who do not exist today. But it didn't lead to your destruction. It led to a season, I would describe it, of definition, defining who you are, and determination to carry on, and dependency upon God in a way that you never had before. Maybe now this is a moment for you to leave the D's behind and move on to a new era. That's, that's your issue, Brian. But may, maybe it's a season for encouragement and a season for engagement. And it's certainly, I appeal to you, I appeal to you, it's a season for evangelism, the euangelion. That's the Greek word for the good news. That's all the gospel. That's what the gospel means, good news. You are good news carriers individually. And as a church, I was asked by college students recently in a gathering, about 70 college students that I was at, what would you like to say to our generation of Christ followers? And my answer was, don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie that people don't want to hear the gospel. They may not think that they want to hear the gospel because they've written it off, but they haven't really heard it. They haven't really understood it. They haven't really known this message that we have, people are always in need of hope. Amen? People are always in need of hope, and one thing the gospel is, above all, is a message of hope. So Lexington, Nicholasville, Georgetown, <laughs> now is the time. This is the place. These are the people. Never before, never before have there been so many people in your region who know so little about the gospel. Why do I say that? Immigrants that have come to your community likely have never heard. Expats who are doing business here likely have never heard. Children growing up in most homes in America today have never heard. Youth have never heard. Adults may think they have heard but haven't really experienced the reality of the gospel. I don't believe that ever before there's been so many people in your reach a few years back, we were living in Wisconsin before I was elected as president. After the health crisis, we were trying to recover, and we bought a foreclosed-on home, uh, it had been, uh, and uh, it was cheap, and it was close to my wife's family. And the next-door neighbor had the nicest yard in the whole neighborhood, and she was out pruning her roses, and I had the worst yard in the entire neighborhood, and I was just trying to turn the dirt patch into something. And after, you know, six months of working across the rose bushes with her, um, I, I did something in Wisconsin that was okay. I just did it 30 years too early. I talked to her about Jesus. Some places, I, you know, seems like you got to be there forever before you have enough relationship and trust built. But I didn't have 30 years, so I brought it up. She went running. She wasn't mad, but she got nervous and went running back into her house and didn't come out for three days, it seemed like. And I went back into my house, and I wrote down what I would like to say to her if I had the chance. And we turned it into a book. It only takes 15 minutes to read. It's the price of a greeting card, and it's the intent is to just, you know, kind of fling it like seed. And uh, we had an artist pull 
put it in the form of a, flo a garden uh, kind of picture in honor of this woman. But the uh, artist actually tells the story that, the, that the, the words of the book are telling. And so it's available to you. And all the money goes to missions because the book was already paid for by a donor. And so if you wanted to take one, go ahead and take it. But if you pay the money, it goes... But pick it up as a, as a seed to fling in your own individual effort to share the gospel. And by the way, uh, the guys, my men friends started to tell me, uh, nice little flower book, John, but I'm not giving this to my bros, okay? So we have the campfire version. <laughs> the artist, same artist, beautifully took the theme of guys sitting around a campfire and it tells a story in that manner. Same words, just different art. No excuse. <laughs> I didn't come here to sell books. I came here to encourage us to be gospel flingers, gospel carriers. There is always a temptation. There is always a temptation to join the disciples in saying, now is not the time. This is not the place. These are not the people. But Jesus' word to you today is open your eyes. I'll help you open your eyes, Jesus says. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the ability to see those that you would otherwise not see, to care about those you would not otherwise care about, and speak that which you would otherwise be nervous to say. You don't have to give the whole message every time. Sometimes one sentence is the start. One reason that I'm in town not only to do podcasts with my friend Brian and to fill the pulpit today and give you this challenge. Another reason is because we have this weird thing going on in the Christian Mystery Alliance called Project Reimagine. This is a effort on the part of our family to challenge the norms you are part of this family of 6.3 million believers in 180 dialects and 22,000 churches worldwide, 2,000 estates, 22,000 worldwide. And it takes a home office to run some of that kind of work. You need accountants. You need people who properly process donations. You need graphic designers. You need editors. You need people to, to do the legal and, and appropriate things to have an organization like that. And for 30 years, we were in Colorado Springs and were happy. We liked it. I had literally a million-dollar view of Pikes Peak, Garden of the Gods, uh, Air Force Academy, the whole works. Uh, it was a great office, one problem. We never had to encounter anybody from the community as we came to work. I went to our, I went to our leadership one day, and I said, does it bother anybody that every Christian organization I know offices in the same way. We build our building, we put our staff inside, and we lock the door 40 hours a week. Every denomination I know, every Christian evangelistic organization I know, and I know quite a few of them, from Florida to New York to Oregon and Washington, everyone that I know offices just like we did. Build the building or rent the building, put the staff inside, Lock the door 40 hours a week, guaranteeing that the, the staff who oversees the mission doesn't have to be on mission as we go to work. Does that sound nuts to anybody or what? And so we started to challenge the norm and ask the hard question and said, well, if we're in the wrong kind of building, are we in the right city? 
And that's where we came up with the idea of, well, it'd be nice to be in a city with a real airport. Colorado Springs is a wonderful airport as long as you don't need to go anywhere. And it'd be nice to be in a city with greater racial diversity because 50% of the Christmas Airlines family represent the other 37 languages that I began to reference. But our staff in Colorado Springs was never able to represent the family because Colorado Springs is not a diverse city. And it'd be nice to be in a place where we could actually pay our young staff enough money to buy a house because we were getting outpriced Colorado. I mean, it's gone up everywhere, but in Colorado Springs, they were $100,000 ahead of most of the rest of us, so we were not able to pay our staff enough to... So a city with a top 100 airport, lower cost of living, greater racial diversity, that was 17 cities met that criteria. I would have loved to have been in Lexington. I mean that sincerely, but the airport just, you know, just didn't work, so... Then we layered the map of the Christmas Alliance over the top, and we ended up moving, or are moving, we're in process, moving to Columbus, Ohio. So we're your new neighbors to the north. And we're doing this thing called Project Reimagine, where tonight at the, your neighbor's church, the other Alliance church here in town, First Alliance, you're invited to come to a gathering where you can hear about what God is stirring us as we relocate an office. Well, why would you come to a meeting about relocating an office? Big deal, you know. Buy, sell one building and buy another and just get on with it. You don't need to have meetings about that. Well, no, we do because we're trying to upend a whole model. We're being a disruptor of a whole system. And somebody here would be curious to know more about that, what's going on with your church family and the heart behind it. So, We'll, I'll present for about 45 minutes. We'll take some questions and answers, and then we, we'll just get on with our night. Besides the news at 6 o'clock on Sunday nights, just reruns from the rest of the week anyway. So, so join us. Friends, my time is done. Dave's uh, going to be coming out to transition us. But hear my heart. Whether it's our re office relocation or a little book resource that I provided or some neighbor that you're thinking about right now or some new family who's come into your region, please hear this. Now is the time. This is the moment. This is the place. These are the people that God is calling us to reach with the hope, the good news, the message of Jesus Christ because God so loves this world that he gave us his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church/give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.